Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Dangerous Thoughts here on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren. Um, before I forget, Richard, Richard's not going to let me forget. He's super chatted already. Uh, I won't read it because it's an embarrassing super chat if you know the story. But um, Richard is hosting the next book club. Last time we spoke about book club on this uh, channel, which I think was on Monday on Narrative Dissonance, we said we didn't know the date. Richard has picked a date. He's hosting the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's the book uh, that he's chosen. And this will be on November 27th at 9 a.m. Pacific, which, just to help you all with math, if you're on the East Coast, that's noon. If you're in Hawaii, it might be 6 a.m. But on the East Coast, it's noon. So anyway, um, that's going on. Welcome to to everyone in chat. Uh, welcome to anyone who happens to be watching on Rumble. We are starting to focus more on Rumble. Um, which I'll mention in a moment for, for reasons I'll mention in a moment. But um, today we're going to talk about uh, voting, voting in the 2020 election, uh, or I guess any election. But this one in particular is was the impetus for uh, my thoughts congealing here, uh, specifically the national election and using it to push back against progressivism. We're going to look at the options you've got in front of you to do that. Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, I want to give everyone an, un an unsafe space update, and uh, we'll see we'll see how you all take it. So um, the unsafe space update is we are going to slowly transition to primarily written content. Um, YouTube has been suppressing us quite a bit. We have decided to start putting video content on Rumble. It doesn't mean we'll stop doing videos altogether, but we are going to start focusing on written content. And then that's like opinion pieces, topical articles, but also more artsy stuff like fiction, poetry, whatever. Um, like I said, we're not going to abandon video, but the when we think the message is better served through video, we'll do video. Otherwise, we're going to start doing writing. Um, and... I hope it doesn't disappoint a bunch of people. I know most people are here because of videos, but the the motivation for this is primarily personal. I started Unsafe Space because I wanted to make a difference in the culture war, and I think I can do that better through writing. I'm a more effective writer than I am speaker. Um, and the team that we have, is they're all writers. I mean, Alex wrote a book and has a degree in English. Juliet wrote a book. Keith writes regularly. Um, so... We all kind of would rather write. We think we can make more nuanced and effective arguments in written format. So um, we're going to start transitioning to that. But like I said, slowly, it'll take a few months. Um, all the articles and all the writing will be available at unsafespace.com. We do have a sub stack. Uh, it will be there right now. It's there pretty much simultaneous with stuff on unsafespace.com. But the sub stack will start to lag probably. Uh, I, we're not planning on charging for any of this stuff right now. We're not really sure the making money part we haven't figured out, but since we've never really made money on unsafe space anyway, or at least I haven't, uh, that's secondary. JB says the message is best served cold. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, that is true. That is true. Um, watch out. Carter Snopes facts check will say Carter did say he was transitioning. True. That's yes, I did. But I'm going to use the same pronouns. Um, <laughs> so that won't be a big deal. Anyway, um, it is still helpful if you subscribe on YouTube and Rumble. Um, so if you're, if anyone's watching on Rumble again, hello. Um, and it's even more important to to fund to you know those of you who support us financially. I we can't thank you enough. It's more important even now than ever to do that now because the little bit of money we make off of YouTube will go away uh, shortly. So. Um, I think we'll be able to give you better. The, one of the reasons for this is, is is like personal motivation. We think we can do a better job, but that means we think we can give you better quality content as well. So uh, we're all kind of looking forward to it. So I hope I hope you guys <laughs> I hope you guys are as well. And, and if you're not, sorry. Uh, all right. Today is going to be part of that transition. And what I mean by that is not, I'm not going to just go away and point you to an article to read, but what I did do instead of doing show notes, I normally have show notes that I've written down that I have in front of me here. And I kind of walk through some bullet points. Instead of doing that, I wrote an article. It's published on safespace.com. It is also on our Substack. Um, <laughs> Richard Petz. Uh, thank you. Richard donates $10 for some typewriter ribbons or a few boxes of pencils. Whatever floats your boat. Uh, yes, thank you. Actually, do, I'm out of quills and liquid ink, Richard. So I might, if it's okay, <laughs> maybe I'll I'll spend it on that. So um, I wrote an article, and instead of bullet points for today's episode, I wrote an article, and I'm not going to read it on air because I think that's probably incredibly boring to listen to. I don't even want to listen to myself read an article on air. It's it's long. It's like a magazine length article. It's um, I think Substack or or maybe WordPress. Someone says it's sixteen minute read. Um, what I'm going to do is I am going to use it as notes. I've never done this before, so we'll cross our, cross my fingers here. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to use it as notes. I'm going to walk through the main points in it and then just chat with you about it during the chat. And we you can interrupt me. We can have a casual conversation rather than me just reading the article, I'm going to use the article for my notes. So let's see how that goes. Um, I'm also going to just, I'll pull it up so that you guys can follow along as I scroll if it matters. Uh, all right. Here's the article. It's sitting on unsafeface.com. It is called A Heretic's Guide to Voting, Fighting Progressivism Through National Elections. It's kind of a weird piece of art. I apologize, but I'm trying to get, I can't get Dolly to give exactly what I want, which uh, I've been doing the AI generated art thing. It's fun, but I can't always get my, uh, I think so. Okay. So my impetus for this is, I don't know if anyone else, is, older people like me have probably <laughs> noticed this. As time goes by, the uh, importance of elections just seems to be, at, at least the purported importance of elections, just seems to be spiraling. Um, it It is 
constantly, this is the most important election of our lifetimes. I heard that on Twitter the other day about the 2022 midterms, right? It's the most important election of our lifetimes. Um, and there's also been this kind of mainstream uh, obsession, maniacal obsession over the democratic process generally and making sure people vote. There's, I mean, when I was growing up, there was rock the vote, right? There was, um, you know, there get out the vote efforts and that kind of stuff, but it seems to be even more intense and, and social media now, instead of just like having a little reminder of about elections, it's like this constant nagging thing. Here's how to vote. Here's what, what look, here's a, here's a screenshot. I'll scroll down. Like just, here's an example of like, Twitter preemptively telling us it takes time to count all the votes. Oh, wow. My computer just totally, the computer that I was reading from totally died. Uh, <laughs> but the computer I'm broadcasting from still exists. Anyway, this is Twitter just saying like, hey, uh, don't worry. The election counting votes will take a while. Blah, blah, blah. The election's very important, yada, yada, yada. Hold on, I'm going to restart my other computer. See, when you're reading an article, you don't have to deal with tech failures. It's always something. I think the power cord popped out of the computer, the laptop, and so we lost power. Uh, anyway, I can't even scroll that in. There, now the article's gone. Now it's gone. Anyway, that was my impetus. While this is booting up, I'll do this from you know memory. Uh, my impetus is, you know, I'm, uh, it seems like it's becoming more and more frenetic, more frantic, really making sure that we, A, believe that democracy is the best thing ever and elections are super, super important. B, that everyone and their mother should vote. You have to vote. Get out to vote. Make your voice heard. It's super, super important. C, Trust the process. The process is great. There's never any fraud. I mean, unless a Democrat loses, but there's never any like what reasons to question anything. It's the best thing ever. Um, you can't joke on social media about. Uh, you can't even joke about like, oh, I. <laughs> here's the here's a false date, right? You can't make jokes about like. I hope all the leftists show up on Thursday for the elections. Like, it's an obvious joke but you can't do it because um that's considered fake news right that's like a, this horrible you can't that you can't do that that's fake news um all right so that was my impetus for this so as someone who is uh not completely sure this is the most uh, important election of our lifetime and as someone who has spent I don't know, most of my life, uh, most of my adult life, criticizing the misuse of the word democracy um, and trying to point out to people that democracy is a means to an end. The purpose is to protect individual rights. Democracy was the proposed way to do this or a particular version of democracy in the case of the United States. A, constitutional republic which a bunch of limitations and blah 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 around it democracy is not like this silver bullet like woo democracy therefore everything's peachy um not by any means you, you can definitely 
failed democracy. So I thought we would, it's time for some voting heresy, um, which I think is, is overdue. The first point I want to make about voting in a national election, voting in a government election, is that this is not the same as you might as voting you might participate in in your private life. When you get together with friends to watch the Grand Prix or to watch a basketball game or whatever, uh, I don't watch basketball, but you might. Uh, <laughs> when you get together with your friends to watch the Grand Prix or the World Cup or hockey, um, you you might vote on what kind of pizza to get. You might be a board member at a company or uh, or at a nonprofit or something, um, and you might vote as a board member. Um, some of you are probably shareholders, and you vote vote as shareholders. All of those are examples of voluntary uh, associations. You don't have to have that particular friend group if they always want pineapple on their pizza. You can just if it's and if it's that important to you, you just don't have to be. You don't have to be part of that friend group. You find better friends. I don't want to have friends who want pineapple on their pizza. No offense uh, <laughs> to those of you in the audience who want pineapple on their pizza. But like you you're, you can go home and watch the Grand Prix by yourself if you really just don't want the pineapple on the pizza. You can um, bring something else to eat. You've got lots of options, but you're, fundamentally your association with those people is voluntary. Same is true if you're on a board. Same is true if you're a shareholder or an employee. You're not you're not forced to be there. There's no one with a gun involved in any of this. It's just a voluntary association. That is not true at all when it comes to the government. Um, you have to be part of the government or at least – or a government. You have to be a subject of someone's government. Um, even if you try and – if you're a U.S. citizen, for example, and you try and leave, the IRS is going to come after you. You can't like live somewhere else. You're still under their jurisdiction no matter what. Uh, you can try and renounce your citizenship and pull a bunch of shenanigans, but then you know you might have trouble even coming back to the U.S. after that. So you're not really you're not really free to leave, and you can, and there's nowhere to go that's not also in the jurisdiction of another government. Even if you are, um, even if you have the the vision, I'll, I'll I'll be generous and say vision. I could be rude and say. Uh, insane or insanity to, to found your own country. You're going to go try and found your own country. Um, even that you can't really do. I mean, there was an example of uh, a guy named Chad Ortowski and his girlfriend, Nadia. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. Uh, Tep Det. Uh, they were part of this seasteading project and they've built this uh, seasteading um, dwelling out Past the international uh, line from out in the, in the ocean, 14 miles or however many miles away, past the boundaries where it was international waters, officially recognized as international waters um, off, of, off of the coast of Thailand. Did the Thai government let them sit there and say, well, you're in international waters, there's nothing we can do? No. They sent the Navy after them and harassed them, and there was a point at which they were worried that they were going to be caught and executed. I think that's died down a little bit, but uh, certainly a brutal uh, a brutal kind of hunt was underway. And, and I, you know, stole their property and everything else. Um, 
So you can't really, you can't do that either. You can't found your own country either. You have, you are, your relationship with government is a, a relationship of coercion. You are behaving, you're subject to the point of a gun at all times. It's not always obvious, right? And of course, some governments make it more obvious and are more oppressive than others. But your relationship with the government is one in which they have force. They use force against you. And they're, I'll say allowed to in quotes, but the the culture is permissive of their use of force against you. That's That's what that is. So... It's not. It's more like a hostage situation, or um, maybe more accurately, historically, you're kind of a serf. You're kind of a serf. You don't actually own your house, for example. Even if you if you don't have a mortgage from the bank, you don't own your house. Uh, if you don't pay property taxes, guess what they'll do? If you don't pay other taxes, they'll put a lien on your house and take your house from you. Like you don't own your house. You you have permission from the government to stay in your house provided that you meet uh, requirements for tithing to them and other compliance requirements. I mean, we, we interviewed people in the past. I don't know if you remember, uh, what was her name? Lisa Hansen, I think uh, lost her business could have possibly, I, I mean, I, I don't know how far it's gone, but could have definitely seen enough fines and, and, punishment to lose her house over not complying with COVID mandates, right? So it's it's not just tax compliance, it's compliance generally. They'll certainly, I mean, they'll certainly take your assets if, if they deem it somehow legal and in their best interest to do so. By the way, uh, I'm losing my one friend in chat, Richard Petz. He says, Um, put his chat up here. Come on. Hey, man, what's wrong with the Hawaiian pizza? I live here after all. <laughs> yeah, you live in the cold East Coast part of Hawaii, Richard. Uh, although in fairness, doesn't Hawaiian pizza also have Canadian bacon on it? So maybe it's like a Canadian thing as well. I don't know. Anyway, that's your relationship with the government. So you are not in this. It's It's not this voluntary thing. So you're operating coercion. So let's look at what options they give you. As a serf, what are the options that the the government gives you in a national election? What are the what are the options you have? Well, there's basically three different things you can do. You can vote for what I'm calling the purple party or the violet party. You can vote blue or red. The two major parties stay. That's that's a uh, work completely within the system. You can vote for a third party. You can you can be like, hey, I like the way that Jeremy Kaufman guy wears a lizard suit and makes funny videos about war being gay or war being retarded, which is his latest one. I'm going to vote for the libertarian dude who has a snowball's chance in hell. Or you can not vote. And I want to walk through the different arguments for each of these because I've you know, being around the liberty community and in the liberty community for decades, I've heard 
arguments about all of these. Obviously, I'm biased against some of these arguments, but I'm going to try and present at least so you know what the arguments are. I'm not going to hide my bias, really, but I'm going to present what the arguments are. So the first one is this comply and vote vote violet, right? This is vote blue or red. Now, um, obviously, if you are a... <laughs> If you're a rabid, frothing at the mouth leftist, uh, voting blue is the best thing for you to do, right? Because even though I know you're impatient that the hellscape of progressive dystopia isn't quite upon us yet, and you're you're you know Nancy Pelosi's dragging her feet, and if only AOC had more power or whatever, I get all that. But the truth is, the Democrats have been stellar. At, deliver, at delivering the success of the progressive agenda over over the last several generations. They've been really good. They've gotten, it, yeah, it hasn't moved as, as, as quickly as, as some of you progressives want, but I think voting blue is just by, I'm not even going to talk about <laughs> the progressive stuff anymore because if that's what you want, vote blue, that's your best bet. That's your best bet. And they always win. Uh, they don't always win elections, but their agenda always wins over time. The progressive agenda is has basically been winning for my entire life and well before. Um, and it's not hard to see why, because their competition is functionally retarded. So um, what some people choose to do in the, uh, you know, I'm going to vote for, I'm going to vote for the uniparty. Some people's rationale for voting for Republicans is, goes kind of like this. Well, uh, they're the only viable option. Like the libertarians never going to get elected. Um, so I, I gotta go with the thing that's got some promise, right? And they're right. The libertarian is never going to get elected, right? Uh, I've got to go with the, the Republican, even though, you know, they're, they're just kind of going to drag their feet on <laughs> do like, they're just like, they're basically a little bit of extra ballast, uh, a little extra drag on the road to progressivism. That's the best they really offer ever. Sometimes they're worse, right? Um, but you look, you know, people look at the libertarians. A lot of uh, traditional Republicans look at libertarians, and they're kind of this disorganized, you know, band of pot smoking trolls. And they're like these, you know, I can't take these people seriously. Plus, plus. The libertarians seem to want to unwind the government for real, right? And a lot of Republicans like to LARP as small government people, but they don't – when it comes to actually like turning the dial back and you know <laughs> shrinking the size of the government, they're like, well, I can't do that, right? So the libertarians are a little bit unsettling and they certainly are impolite and have things to say about some, you know, some of your favorite Republican presidents that you might not like. So, um, so, so that's how the libertarians are viewed. They're kind of uncouth outsiders. You don't want them to be part of polite society. And, uh, and you're told the argument goes, you will throw your vote away. If you vote for a libertarian, uh, you're throwing your vote away, man. They're never going to win. You just threw it away. You might as well not vote. You might as well vote for the Dems. You threw your vote away to the Libertarians, right? But, um, but the reasoning is, if you vote for a Republican, it's not the best, 
but at least you have a 50% chance of winning. Now, my argument against that comes from Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Basically, it's a paraphrase. Uh, he would say about this situation, if you win 50% of the time, you lose every time. The Republicans suck. They're so bad at providing at, at fighting progressivism that during my entire lifetime, any time there's been a planned expansion of, of federal budgets for anything, and and then the actual budget comes in slightly less than the planned expansion of the budget, everyone refers to it as a budget cut. That's how bad the Republicans are. That's pathetic. They are also the party that uh, fawns over the CIA, loves like entanglements all over the world. Um, they they want to have Edward Snowden hanged because he tattled on the NSA's giant secret spy program. They brought you the Patriot Act and the police state. That's not a small government. I mean, they'll talk about lowering taxes and and they like to talk a game about freedom but they don't do any of it, and they never have. The best they've ever done is maybe, maybe throwing a speed bump in front of some Democrats once in a while. So like, eh, we got to wait another cycle to get this agenda passed. That's it. And when it comes time to really oppose big leftist expansions of government power, like Obamacare, for example, the Republicans fail miserably. They concede every single fundamental premise. They concede everything. It's the government's responsibility to do this. Blah, 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 blah. Like They never question government meddling in anything for the most part. I mean, there's a couple. There's like Ron Paul's, but they practically don't count, right? They, they don't question any of this. They basically just say, well, but this isn't the right way to do it. And they try and like, they propose some other plan that's painted red that's basically just as biggest pile of shit as the other plan was but they have some arguments about why it's better they never stand up and say you know what the reason the healthcare system is messes because the government here's all the ways the government's involved in it boom 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 we need to stop the government involved and we need to go back to free markets we need to on principle support free markets and healthcare just like we should be supporting free markets everyone else they never say that never they, they go on Fox News and whine that, wow, this plan will be too expensive, actually. You know, Tucker, this is an expensive plan. That's the problem with it. No, the problem with it is it's a government plan. It's government encroaching into the private lives of citizens. And rarely, if ever, does any Republican actually stand on principle. So, of course, they lose. They lose these arguments because no one wants a spineless, you know, <laughs> impotent person. Then no one's going to listen to the spineless argument about, well, you know, I don't like the way it's done. It's really, we could have a different plan involving Medicare transformations. I'm like, okay, I mean, shut up. Shut up and go home. If you cared, if you really were a small government person, you would say, how about we defund Medicare? How about we defund Medicaid? How about we roll back all a whole bunch of healthcare restrictions on not only insurance companies, but uh, places of employment with respect to insurance. How about we get the hell out of the way and let the free market sort this crap out? None of them do that. So they lose. Then they bicker about approving the efficiency of Obamacare because those damn Democrats don't know how to do it efficiently. Got to be practical. And at the end of it all, the next election cycle comes up 
And Mitch McConnell gets up there and goes, don't throw your vote away. So that's, those are the two sides of option one. <laughs> vote for the uniparty. You vote for the uniparty because you know they're going to win, but really you're going to lose. I might be biased on that. <sighs> All right. Option two. Option two is vote for a third party. Now, almost no one does this. More people don't vote than vote for a third party, by far. Um, and and it makes sense, right? Because the uniparty controls redistricting, and basically every every government bureaucracy is controlled by the Dems and the Republicans. So, you know, they're allies when it comes to locking out access <laughs> to third parties. So it's not surprising that they never win or never go anywhere. Here's the general argument for voting for a third party. Um, the idea behind voting for a third party, like I'm going to use libertarian as an example, because obviously we're coming on this show, we're coming from a uh, individualist perspective and liberty matters here. So if you vote for, for a third party like the libertarians, the, the idea is you can do, you can accomplish a couple things. One is you put immediate pressure if you get enough votes, not to win, but you actually get some people voting for the Libertarian Party, you get some pressure on the mainstream media and and the entire kind of information cathedral to have these people on debate stages, to interview them, to, you know, talk about their ideas, even just to debunk them. You've got to, they kind of can be forced to be included a little bit. Uh, and and that changes the political discourse. It might not affect this particular election, but it's more of a long-term strategy. It's more of a recognition that uh, you're going to give up the little dopamine hit from caring about who wins on election night for the longer-term goal of slowly kind of shifting or opening the Overton window back up of shifting the, the dialogue publicly to include, how about we actually defund things? Hey, how about the government get smaller? Like actually having those as even a viable opinion is a it's kind of a long-term project. You're raising kind of the next generation of political thinkers by doing that, by exposing people more to these ideas rather than sacrificing those ideas for a short short term uh red red win right which ultimately is just a blue win more slowly right um i have noticed something that i that i mentioned about this in this article which is that um this is an interesting psychological phenomenon i i really i've seen a lot of lifelong republicans do this they will look at the Republican candidates and rarely will they, Trump was maybe an exception because people really, some people that were just, you know, they worshiped the guy like a god, right? But they rarely find a candidate where they, for whom they say, everything about this guy I agree with, this, this guy's perfect or gal, right? Usually it's like, well, he's bad on taxes, but he's good on, you know, foreign policy or vice versa or whatever. So he's got some kind of, 
he's good at this. He's bad at that. There's a mix. Uh, he's better than the Democrat. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to vote for this guy. I'm going to kiss the elephant because that's what I do. And I'll forgive the misalignment. There's some misalignment between me and my, you know, my, my views here and this particular candidate, but you know, yeah, what's a little misalignment between subjects and rulers. So, um, so they, they got, they, they kiss the elephant, but when the libertarian dude comes along now, first of all, libertarians much worse at political rhetoric. They're much, they're much worse at like, they're not, they're not sophisticated enough to make vague, insincere statements on CNN about how hope and change, like they don't, like, what does that mean? That means absolutely nothing. Everyone can see hope and change and go, woo, hope and change. I want that, right? Libertarians are like, I want to end the drug war and defund the DEA. It's like, wow, that's freaking specific, right? So they're bad at making sweeping kind of vague plat platitudinous uh, appealing statements to the public. They, they tend to be a little more direct and, uh, and less polished. And so what happens is people see the libertarian candidate and he says something they don't like. Maybe they don't want to end the war on drugs because they're worried about heroin in the streets or whatever. So what do they do? They see that this libertarian candidate, oh, he's, he wants to do all these things that I claim I care about. He wants to um, end this particular war and he wants to reduce taxes and he wants to get rid of these regulatory agencies and he wants to reduce regulation here and help like all these things I really love. Oh, but he, he also wants to end the war on drugs and I just don't like that. So I can't vote for him. It's wow. We're just too misaligned. I can't believe he's not exactly the same as me. I can't do it. Um, it's a, it's a horrible double standard. Uh, and you know, I think it is, I think people who reason that way are by default progressives, right? They're, they're progressive. They can pretend to not be progressives, but when they make compromises uh, to fight the Democrats, if they make a bunch of compromises to the Republicans to try and fight the Democrats, but when the libertarian person comes along, their rationale is like, oh, I disagree on an issue, or I don't like his hair color, or he said something rude. He's not presidential. He's not, you know, he might, I think he might have smoked pot and not lied about it, right? They find something, they pull that thread, unravel the entire relationship and refuse to, to vote. So um, why should you vote for a third party? I think if you want to, if you want to, if you're willing to sacrifice that short-term, ultimately, uh, you know, Pyrrhic victory of, of getting your red win, uh, then, and, and you want to sacrifice that for the longer term cultural shift, you vote for a third party and you vote for the libertarian party. Um, the arguments against voting for a third party are, I mean, the, the, the basic argument is pretty straightforward. They don't win. They're not going to win. There's never been a U.S. Senator with the big L by his name, uh, Maybe a couple congressmen, I'm not sure. Maybe you have like a small, small, non-zero chance at the state level. Maybe at the local level you have. But nationally, there's basically zero chance that they're going to win. Again, if we turn to Ron Burgundy and we ask him to summarize the situation, he says something like, uh, you know, 0% of the time you, <laughs> you know, you win every time. Like, okay, that's nice. 0% of the time you win every time. You're not going to win. Um, so if your goal is to have 
you know, election night parties with your buddies and pop open champagne, libertarian party is not for you. Um, I'm going to, before we move on, I'm going to pull up another super chat from Richard Petz. Richard says time preference matters. Low time preference versus high time preference. Yeah, that's exactly, uh, exactly what I'm talking about, Richard. And I, and, you know, time preference in general, not for, not for this in particular, I'm not going to throw people's IQ under the bus, but time preference generally is correlated to IQ, right? Um, it's a, you know, higher IQ people tend to be able to plan longer term, um, and consider long-term consequences. All right. So that, that was option two. So you could vote for a third party or not vote for a third party. Those are the two sides. Option three is don't vote at all. Take your crowns and go home. Now, a lot of people do this. A lot of people, um, a lot of people do not vote, but most people that don't vote just because they're apathetic or lazy or whatever. Like it's not, it's not because they've decided to not vote or they're against it or whatever. If you say you're not voting intentionally, um, like those people that, that don't vote because they're apathetic mostly get left alone. But if you say I'm not voting, uh, I think voting's a bad idea. Uh, that's when the pile, you'll get piled on for that. You'll get yelled at for being, you know, vote. Or shut up and take it. In fact, they'll say you have you don't have a right to complain if you don't vote. <laughs> Can you imagine a hostage? The hostage has got his 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 host the hostage taker has got his hostages, and uh, I don't know. He wants them to battle over who he shoots next, and if you don't battle, you can't complain over his. This. <laughs> You're the hostage taker, man. Um. All right. The arguments for not voting, I, other than just apathy, I think there's two that I've seen that are kind of common from the liberty community, and I'm defining that kind of broadly. Um, the first argument is that voting is immoral because you're using force against other people. And the idea here is that you might not be picking up the gun of the government and pointing it at your neighbor, but you're voting for someone who's going to pick up the gun of the government and point it at people on your behalf. So you are uh, a proxy thug, and that means that uh, you are culpable. You are uh, you're a um, an accomplice in the crime of of government force and the government use of force. Now, I don't know what this argument really looks like if, like, an anarchist runs and it's like, I'm just going to oppose everything. Uh, I imagine that there's some kind of argument that that's still the use of force because Secret Service has to protect them and that's a drain on resources or something. I don't know. Um, but so that's this one argument. The one argument is that you are you're initiating the use of force if you vote. Um, the other argument here is even if you weren't initiating the use of force, you are legitimizing the system. And this is a horrible thing to do. Uh, why is it a horrible thing to do? Well, the the argument, and this is mostly from the voluntarist community, the argument is, well, the entire thing needs to be raised to the ground, right? The not just the not just the Republicans and Democrats, but the whole system. The system itself inevitably leads to tyranny of the majority it leads to klaus schwab it leads to 
it leads to the dystopian future that we're staring in the face right now. This isn't a fluke. This isn't a mistake. This is a a necessary and inevitable byproduct of the system of government that we have. It needs to be dismantled and re-examined. I guess if you're a voluntarist, you kind of want to dismantle it and then come up with private solutions. If you're a limited government person, you want to dismantle it and kind of start over in some with some modified version of it. But the argument here is that the system itself is the problem. Uh, this is not the result of the blue and red team teaming up. It's inevitable that the blue and red team will team up. It's inevitable that this the state will grow in this way. And that need, the whole system needs to be undermined. And so you want to dispel people of this in, uh, enchantment that they have with the apparatus of the state and with the system itself. And so you don't want to legitimize it. And voting legitimizes it. It it allows the politicians to go out and say, you know, like, oh, look, look how many people voted. We're legitimately elected. If no one voted, it would be hard for people to say, I was elected legitimately, right? Biden would be like, well, there's three people that voted and two of them vote for me. Like, okay, but only three people voted. Something's wrong, right? And so the the idea there is it's you're lending legitimacy to the system by virtue of the fact that you're voting and instead you should be taking legitimacy away from the system. Arguments against these not voting arguments. <laughs> um, I think, first of all, it's important to point out that the, the claiming that voting is the initiation of the use of force is just wrong. That's not true. Um, and the reason for that is, is if you'll remember, we talked about before, you're in a hostage situation. You are, you are a serf. So, in like, force has been initiated, but you didn't do it. You are the victim in in a room. Think about you're in a room and there's a terrorist pointing a gun at everyone. And anything that you do that's aimed at self-defense, you want to lunge at the guy and he mistakenly, you know, and that results in him shooting someone else by mistake or whatever. Like anything that you do uh, that results in collateral damage, but you're doing it to defend yourself, to protect yourself. You're fighting against the initiation of force that was brought into the room. That that force isn't that doesn't get deducted from your moral bank account. That's that's the initiator's bank account. If someone walks into if you're shopping at Target and someone walks into Target and shoots at you and you shoot back at them, let's hope you don't hit any bystanders. But if you happen to nick someone in the leg. You don't I like I don't know legally, but morally, that's not your fault morally. That's not you you don't have to you don't get moral responsibility because you weren't the one that brought a gun into target and started shooting people. The person who brought the gun into target and started shooting at you, that's the person who was responsible for all of the violence that ensues. Because violence wasn't a part of any relationship until he brought it in. So voting is the same way. Violence isn't part of relationships until the government brings it in. Then it's part of the relationship. And so if you're voting in self-defense, that's not the initiation of the use of force. That's retaliation or self-defense. Now, if you're voting as a progressive intentionally to point the gun at people, then, yeah, you're guilty. But progressives don't care what I'm saying about this anyway. 
So, uh, so, so I, I think the the argument that it's initiation of of use of force is just a bad one. So that's not a that's not a reason to not vote. Um, the argument about you lending legitimacy to the system, uh, I don't. I think the counter argument to that maybe is you also, you really only lend legitimacy to the system if you vote for the uniparty, if you vote for purple. If you vote for libertarian, that's not lending legitimacy to the system, right? If, if a whole bunch of people vote libertarian um, and very few people vote Democrat and Republican, I mean, A, that would actually result in change, but even if it magically didn't, it still undermines the credibility of the system if a Democrat or Republican's in charge. And look how much support I have, right? You just point and you're like, no, you don't. It's not just no voting that undermines this that undermines the system. Um, it's voting for a third party that undermines the system as well. Now, you know, they might argue, no, it doesn't, the system itself, blah, 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 but The way I view it, I think, yeah, I think voting for a third party does undermine the system in a pretty significant way. And it has the bonus of doing the more important thing, which is this isn't a political battle fundamentally. This is a cultural battle. This is a values battle. And you're expanding that Overton window. You're getting people to have to talk about libertarian ideas and take them more seriously. You are moving the needle for your grandchildren by doing that. And so, and if you happen to win, Lucky day, great. You also have a bigger speed bump for the progressives to, you know, drive over in order to get to their, you know, hellscape. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't think the legitimizing the system argument uh, it necessarily holds a lot of water there either. But it's, it is an argument that you hear a lot. All right. Someone would like to guess at my IQ, Carter. You have about you have an IQ of about 140. I'm guessing you have less in common with the average progressives as they do with a rhesus monkey. <laughs> uh, I think that's flattering, uh, JB. I don't know my IQ. Um, I don't actually want to because uh, usually I want to know every piece of information, but this is one that I don't want because if it's higher than I feel like it is, I'm worried that I would start to act like an arrogant jerk more than I do. If it's lower... Uh, I have like lots of self-esteem and self-doubt issues and they'll just creep in and I'll be convinced that nothing I ever say is worth anything and I should shut up and sit down. So it's better for me just to keep going on my path. I don't know what my IQ is and I don't care. Um, because my IQ is actually irrelevant. If my arguments are decent, great. If they're not, argue against them. So, um, so those are the arguments. Those are the three options. The three options were, just to remind you, vote for the uniparty, right? Vote for someone else. Don't vote. And those are the basic arguments on either side. Uh, maybe I'm missing some. If I am, let me know. Uh, now, our culture, like I said at the beginning, is pretty excited about this democracy thing. It's a vague notion of democracy, right? No one stands up and says, Yay, individual right. Well, few people. Yay, individual rights. I think democracy, some version of it, might be the best way to get there. That's not what they say. They stand up and say, democracy, that's the end game. That's all that matters, democracy. Um, 
And as a result of all of this, and you can see all the like, get out the vote, let your voice be heard, all that crap. Uh, there's also this, this push to get more people involved. We need more democracy. More voting is good, they say, right? Uh, we need to make it easier. We need to make it accessible. We want as many people participating in the democratic process as possible because democracy is uh, – it's a magic ointment. It is the ambrosia of morality. It's democracy. Everything will be great just as long as every Tom, Dick, and Harry votes. Oh, and and Janes and – whatever, I don't know what the female equivalent of Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Zers and Zs. As long as they all vote, everything will be peachy. That's how we get the best government possible, everyone voting. Now, um, there's zero evidence that this is the case. There's absolutely no evidence to suggest that making uh, voting easier and more convenient so that people who would have, who were like otherwise completely disconnected and not paying attention and couldn't get out, bother to get off their ass to do anything, now have a chance to make their voice heard, there's zero evidence that that makes any positive progress towards the protection of individual rights or more just governments or anything. In fact, I would highly, highly suspect that the reverse is true. Probably, and I've said this before, probably would be better off if voting were more difficult. I mean, imagine if, imagine if uh, to vote in an election... First of all, imagine you have, if you had to re-register. For every single election, you had to register separately. Your registration lasted only for the next election. Imagine you had to do it, you had to plan. You had to do it six months in advance. And there was some small window of time when you could do it. And you had to go down in person and fill out a piece of paper. Uh, people are going to complain. Some people have jobs. Blah, blah, blah. Put, up, put that aside for a minute. If it was hard to do... But anyone could do it. There was no one, there was nothing stopping anyone from doing it. But it was just like, eh, <laughs> you had to work at it. You had to like, plan ahead, go make the effort to do it, blah, blah, blah. Would that be worse than where we are? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that would be. I'm not saying that would necessarily be a solution, but I'm not sure that would be worse. Now, maybe, who knows, maybe the Democrats would pay people six months in advance and bust them over to registration centers and the Republicans wouldn't. I, who knows? Who cares what the Republicans do? But I don't know. Maybe that would be better. Maybe if you didn't let, maybe your 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 quote right to vote, maybe your voting entitlement gets revoked if you have a conflict of interest. What are some obvious conflict of, conflicts of interest? Well, if you hold office, that's a conflict of interest. If you're paid directly by the government in any form, that's a conflict of interest. You could argue that. Welfare, corporate welfare, all that, those are conflict of interest. I mean, it, that's a hard one because the 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 line starts to really blur when you get into like, well, how much money do you make off of this regulation because your company does blah, blah, blah. Like then it does start – that one starts to get difficult to implement. But uh, would things be better? I mean I know a lot of people on the right would be disappointed because soldiers couldn't vote, and they would be very angry about that. How could you not let a soldier vote? Well, the soldier's getting paid. So that's how. Uh, but don't worry because a bunch of lefties that are getting paid couldn't vote either. The entire DMV couldn't vote, right? No one in Washington, D.C. could vote. So maybe it would be better. I don't know. Uh, but I, I would be willing to take, you know, if I was all about saving, saving the Republic, I would be willing to take drastic measures. But I will say 
this idea that everyone should vote is false. It's not supported by any evidence. It is a uh, stupid, low IQ, feel good platitude to throw out to the masses to make people feel better. Everyone should vote. Your vote matters. Your vote, I mean, it probably doesn't. And more often than not, we shouldn't be voting. I haven't voted. I usually don't vote myself, and I'm more informed than most. I usually don't vote. And when I do, I usually vote for a third party. Um, but, you know, make up your mind. Do whatever you want. I don't know if this, uh, I don't know if this article helped you or not. I don't know if this conversation helped you or not, but those were the those are the options for this election. Uh, I don't, you know, is it the most important election of of your lifetime? Probably not. I mean, to be honest, and I'm not trying to blackpill you here, but if you're listening, the ship's probably sailed. It's probably too late to save this republic via political means. Um. I'm not suggesting actually taking up arms. I, I, I think it's all, I mean, I, I guess save the Republic through political means. Yeah, I, I think it's too late for that. You might be able to save sections of it through political means. And you could certainly start to make decisions in your life that change the, the narrative, that change the dialogue, that change the culture generally, so that for the next several decades, there's a resurgence of individualism. And then, and only then, uh, is is it does it really become possible to start having political change that matters? But uh, let's see. Richard Petz says, "Proof of work versus proof of stake." Is that the analogy you're using, Richard? For um, whether you should vote or not, proof of work versus proof of stake. I'm not sure. For those of you who don't know what Richard's talking about, that's a, those are crypto terms. Proof of work is the kind of the traditional Bitcoin thing. To earn more Bitcoin, you have to do some processing. You've got to basically sign a block of transactions. And that processing is a computationally intensive. It's why people whine about Bitcoin's power consumptions. You got to do some work. Uh, proof of stake is um, basically, if I had to summarize it, it's the rich get richer. Uh, if you have coins of this type of coin, you get more. Uh, like you basically loan your coins to a, a a a node that gets to use them to sign things. So. Um, Holding coins is is the uh, g gives you the what you would normally get from doing the work on something like Bitcoin. Uh, there's arguments for and against both of these. I think it's a reference. I think Richard is referencing uh, that. Yeah, the value of voting, right? I think he's referencing the value of voting. So anyway, um, he says he is. <clears throat> the more people, uh, JB says, the more people who vote. The less your vote matters. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Maybe that's why they're pushing voting so much. Hey, everyone needs to vote because JB is going to vote and we don't like what he's going to vote for. So uh, <laughs> we need some people to offset JB's vote. Um, so 
JB also says he's waiting for China to make the first 256 quantum computer and steal all the bitcoins. <clears throat> They're probably working on it. Uh, although China's got its own problems, which is a separate discussion. Okay, so we said we we're going to try and do these shows in an hour. It's been almost an hour, almost almost exactly an hour. Uh, I At the beginning of the show, I think I explained the kind of slow transition we're going to make towards more written content and this 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 show being um this episode tonight and the next several episodes being kind of a transition to to that where instead of notes i'm going through an article i wrote so uh so great we've done that um as a reminder i'm you know if you're in the community on discord or wherever it's it's um I'm still interested in hearing troublesome arguments that you are, you know, maybe have trouble refuting or stuff, arguments you'd like to make uh, that you're having trouble making um, because the, you know, the topics that I want to cover aren't really going to change here. Um, and again, thank you so much to those of you who support us. Thank you, uh, Richard, for all the super chats. Um, and uh, if you want to support not just this show, but the kind of content that we're have been producing and will continue to produce in various forms. Um, please head over to unsafespace.com and you can do that. One of the things, and this is maybe a little bit nerdy or weird, but one of the things I'm looking forward to, and we don't even have anything particular planned for this, but I'm actually looking forward not just to getting to write more and having more written content there, but also getting to do, uh, including some more like artsy stuff, like, like, I want to read, I want someone to like submit short stories that we can read. And like, I want to read poetry and I want to see more interesting stuff than just railing against politics all day long. Cause I'm tired of it. And sometimes I would like to read some stuff that's interesting and edifying. And, um, you know, both Juliet and Alex have written fiction books. They're both team members. So like we have fiction writers, there's other people I know in the community who have written fiction, um, there's someone in the community I know who writes poetry. Um, there's people I know in the community who make music. There's stuff that that I'd really like to start uh, including, and hopefully that's where we're going to be able to go with this. So anyway, thank you again to those of you who support us. Um, as a reminder, the next book club is November 27th. Richard Petz, uh, oh, who just sent another super chat. Thank you, Richard. He says, great show. Read me as food for thought. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Richard is hosting that show. Um, it is on November 27th at 9 a.m. Pacific. It's the girl with the dragon tattoo. You can go to our website. Actually, here, I'll just do it now. Look at this. I'll do it in real time. I'll try not to be a, a boomer. You can go to our website. There's this thing at the top called Book Club. Go to Book Club. Boom. There's Book Club. There's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. You can click this button. You can buy it. Yes, it goes to Amazon. But we have an affiliate program, at least, so we get some of it if you do that. Um, and all of our previous discussions, book club discussions, are here. So if you're interested in those, um, you know, you can you can go check those out. We've also, if you want to recommend books, we've got some recommended books that people have recommended sitting below. So anyway, thanks all for watching. Uh, have a great night and um, <laughs> have some great voting on Tuesday. Do your <laughs> or not voting. Uh, oh, and also. This is it Friday and Saturday. This Saturday is the 5th of November. If you want to uh, join me, I'm not doing this like publicly, but join me in spirit. I always watch. I always watch V for Vendetta on November 5th. So 
just throwing it out there. You might want to watch it. It's uh, it's amazing that someone who considers himself more of an Antifa type of person, Alan Moore, uh, when he thought he was writing about fascism, you know, in 2022, we look at this movie and all I see, other than like the picking on gay people, which is part of the movie, but like the general thing is like, oh, this is just, this is just modern left. <laughs> this is leftist authoritarianism. Excellent. So anyway, have a good night, everyone. Uh, I will see you later. Take care. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. If you think about it, only government-sanctioned experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice courtesy. Never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake. The world is a mess and I just need to rule it.